time. Here we go. As I mentioned to the children, we are looking at Memorial Day. And some time ago, I was asked to give an address to the Chikora Memorial Day celebration or, or gathering. And when I did, I only used one text of Scripture because it was a secular event and I knew only one text was necessary, and that is the text from John's Gospel record where the Lord says there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. And when I gave that message, it upset a lot of people. I actually had some hate mail from it. And I'm going to just touch on that. I'm not delivering that message today. I think this one would probably bring a lot more hate mail. Because it's important that we understand the necessity for remembering the sacrifice of those who gave their lives in service to this country. You know, the words battle and war are found a combined total of about 400 times from Genesis to Revelation. And I have a screen uh, shot, if you want to put that up, Terry. <clears throat> 369 verses, 395 matches. That's a combined total of the word battle and war in the Scriptures. Nearly 100 earthly war conflicts are described in varying detail in the Scriptures. But I can tell you this, war on earth began with a battle in heaven. And if we look at Revelation chapter 12, we see that war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. They did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. In other words, they got kicked out. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Lucifer, the devil, Satan, he warred against Almighty God who had created him. He declared war on his Creator. He was unable to overthrow his Creator, and he lost that battle. He became the enemy of souls, and he has battled and tormented mankind ever since that time. Still, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. In the third chapter of Genesis, we find the very first battle on earth. It's not called a battle, but that is exactly what it was. As a serpent, the enemy tricked Eve into believing his lies, and then she led her husband into sin. He convinced her to eat the forbidden fruit to exalt herself to the status of Almighty God, to war against God. Exactly what he did. And she then did exactly what he wanted her to do. And this was mankind's entrance into the theater of war on God. That's where it started, folks. It prompted our Creator to proclaim the war between mankind and Satan. And that's written in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And that's where we hear this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent. 
I will, he says, not might, maybe, or could. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is a prophecy of Christ's coming. This is a prophecy of Christ defeating Satan. And by extension, we can see that the enemies of God are defeated by Christ, and so we, by extension, are victorious. The victory is in Christ. We sing, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever, right? But it is. The victory is in Christ. We already have it. Now, the very first man-to-man battle is written in the fourth chapter of Genesis. Didn't take too long, did it? Didn't take too long. This is where we learn of a war between brothers, ended up in death, the first murder. Cain killed Abel because Abel worshipped Almighty God better than he did. Abel understood authentic worship was a matter of the heart. It was a matter of giving your best to God, the first part. But Cain killed Abel because Abel worshipped Almighty God better than he did. Abel understood, but Cain didn't want to do it. He understood authentic worship was a matter of giving your best. But Cain refused, and therein he declared his own war against God, and God banished him, just like he had banished Satan. The written accounts of battles and wars are for our benefit and our learning, no matter what anybody says. They are there for us. In fact, it's written in Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. We might have hope. And that's an interesting thing if you think about when you're talking about battles and wars. How do battles and wars give us hope? It's because we have the victory in Christ. It's written in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture, all Scripture, not some, not most, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, God's Word is complete, and God's Word completes us for every good work. Do you know the sad truth is that none of us, none, not one of us in this room, and none who will be listening, has lived on earth during a time of total peace. None of us. There has always been war somewhere in the world. Of the more than 200 countries, I forget what the number is right now, a good number of them are at war. And the one that you all are familiar with is this Russian-Ukraine conflict that's going on. But you know, the battles and wars, even though they've raged on earth continuously, we have no control over that. You and I, the majority of the people, have no control over it. Those that profit from war are in control. And their aim is not peace. It is total world domination. That's what's written in the Scripture. That's what's coming. Total world domination. Nobody knows the exact number of skirmishes and conflicts, battles and wars that have taken place throughout mankind's history on this planet, but 
Some say that man has fought 5,000 wars in the last 3,000 years. 5,000 wars in the last 3,000 years. That's difficult to comprehend. It's difficult to comprehend. I'd venture to say that the number is much higher. If we take into, into account the individual battles, like Cain and Abel, for example, I would say man has always been at war. There's never been a time on earth when there wasn't war. Never at all. War is not the problem, though. War is a symptom of the problem. Generally speaking, mankind, whether we like it or not, is at war with our Creator. That's where it started, and that's where it remains. And therefore, we're bent on destroying each other that are made in the image of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Men and boys have fought and died in wars from the start of creation. Men and boys have fought and died in wars since the start of this nation. Preparing for this message, I found various sources for statistics on battles and wars that the United States of America has been involved in. And the statistics vary greatly, depending on whose point of view you look at. Now, I relied on the Veterans Affairs, it was a May 2021 report by the Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Public Affairs to get the list of wars that the U.S. has fought in. You know, each of us has lived our own lives relatively in peace, except for in this land, because there's been no foreign troops on this land for more than 200 years. So we've lived relatively at peace, except for, of course, the, the conflicts and skirmishes that we see on the news, that we see that are happening in the inner cities all across this land. We're not seeing war on this land. And when we look at the list of wars that the United States of America has been involved in, we see that the American Revolution... Eight years, from 1775 to 1783, which are the official dates, eight years people fought, eight years people died. But other sources say it lasted almost 40 years, because they take into account that before the United States of America was involved, the, the U.S. government that was forming got involved, that the war was already on from 1755 and that it went on until 1794. Then we have the War of 1812, a three-year war. I'm not going to describe all the wars because you probably, most of you, many of you maybe know what these were about. Of course, the American Revolution was about our independence. We were fighting a foreign power, that one which we formerly belonged to or were a part of. Indian Wars is another one. 1817 to 1898. But, again, other sources say that these wars lasted more than 80 years, or almost 80 years, from 1812 to 1898. One source says that the Indian Wars started with illegal immigration in the 1400s. Again, you have to look at your sources. The Mexican War. 1846 to 1848. The American Civil War, that war between the states, 1861 to 1865 are the official dates 
for the American Civil War. Spanish-American War from 1898 to 1902. World War I. We were involved in 1917 to 1918. Other sources say that war was from 1914 to 1918. World War II, 1941 to 1945. The Korean War, 1950 to 1953. The Vietnam War, 1964 to 1975. We have people in this room right now that served in that war. And that includes Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraq Freedom. Excuse me, Iraqi Freedom. As I said, these are ongoing. Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia, lists the top ten wars in terms of U.S. casualties. Not in the order in which they occurred, but in the number of casualties. The top is World War II. 291,557 people gave their lives in service to this country in World War II. The American Civil War, 214,938 people gave their lives in service to this country. World War I, 53,402 people gave their lives in service to this land. In the Vietnam War, 47,434 people gave their lives in service to what we enjoy. The freedom that we enjoy was not free, folks. The Korean War, 33,686 people died in service to this country. The American Revolutionary War saw approximately 8,000 lives sacrificed in service to this country. The Iraq War, 4,424 service people gave their lives. The War of 1812, 2,260 people gave their lives. The War in Afghanistan, 1,833 service people gave their lives. When we look at Memorial Day, this is what we're remembering. People gave their lives in service to this land. The Mexican-American War, 1,733 people gave their lives. And then when we look at those who are missing in action, the statistics weren't started until World War I. So nobody knows who went missing in action before World War I. At least I could not find statistics for that. 3,350 in World War I went missing in action. 72,491 went missing in action in World War II. 7,564 went missing in action in the Korean War. 1,584 went missing in action in the Vietnam War. And the combined total of five are listed as MIA in the Gulf War, Afghanistan, and Iraq wars combined. My grandfather, there's a picture of him before leaving for World War I in 1917. He served in World War I, and only by the grace of Almighty God did he make it through and come back 
and have children, one of whom was my dad, Norman. And this, he was 17 years old in 1941 when he signed up, and he lied about his age so he could get into the Navy to serve his country. Later, after he was released from World War II duty, whenever the Korean War started, he re-upped. He was 29 when he signed up for the war in Korea, and he served. I was raised in a family that knew war. They knew these battles. They knew these conflicts. They saw the death and the carnage on the war battlefields. And I learned a little bit about that. And I had planned to attend the military. I had a plan to get into the military. And then there's a young lady named Christina at age 18 while she was on leave after graduating boot camp. I had the only picture I have of her. I would have showed another one. <laughs> she has some other ones. I just don't have them. My wife, she didn't serve in battle. She served in peacetime. You can move forward on the next slide. Memorial Day was originally established as Decoration Day. And this was to remember those who died in the war between the states. That's why this thing we call Memorial Day was established in the first place. It was Decoration Day. In May 1866, General John A. Logan of the Grand Army of the Republic officially designated it to remember those who had died in the American Civil War, the war between the states. The total number of U.S. deaths in the Civil War exceeded all of the deaths that had occurred in the wars up until that time. Let that sink in. Brother against brother. Countrymen against countrymen. A ceremony was held at the new, at that time, Arlington National Cemetery on the first official Decoration Day on May 30th, 1868. Ohio Representative James A. Garfield, he addressed a crowd of about 5,000 people. Can you imagine that? 5,000 people. Now, he was a former major general, and he would later become president. And then right after becoming president, he was poisoned. And it took a while, but then he died. So he didn't get to serve. It's recorded that he said at that ceremony, Hither our children's children shall come to pay their tribute of grateful homage. For this are we met today. By the happy suggestion of a great society, assemblies like this are gathering at this hour in every state in the Union. And right here, next to the building, that's a picture of our cemetery right here. People would parade either from our cemetery to the Hemp Hill Cemetery or from the Hemp Hill Cemetery to this cemetery, and they would decorate the graves of the fallen in this community. This was a very real thing. People cared that somebody gave their life so that they could live freely on this land. It was a big deal. Unfortunately, it's not such a big deal anymore. Well... To many people, to some it is, especially those who've lost loved ones in conflict, in service. It's really sad, though, when we think about it. By 1900, this Decoration Day was celebrated each year across the country on May 30th. And then in 1968, the United States government 
changed everything. They passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, placing major holidays on particular Mondays, and Decoration Day was one of those, and it was renamed Memorial Day. And it was codified into law as one of those three-day weekend holidays. And since then, Memorial Day has become synonymous with the start of summer, opening pools, barbecuing, partying, parades in some places. But all across this land, fewer people decorate the graves of the fallen. Some still do, and you can witness that by taking a walk up on the hill here. To quote, to quote Garfield, and this is out of the context that he wrote it or spoke it, they visit the silent encampments of dead comrades who once fought. Many still remember those who gave their lives in service. And I believe we all should. I really, truly believe that, folks. I wouldn't say it if I didn't. I believe we need to remember, especially in the times that we live in when our freedoms are under complete assault. It's written in John chapter 15 and verse 13 that the one we call Jesus said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, he was speaking of himself, obviously. He was speaking of the fact that he was going to lay down his life for mankind so that we could be set free from sin. We could be set free from the death that sin brings. We have to remember it applies to all mankind. Memorial Day remembers. It remembers the sacrifice of those who gave their lives throughout the history of this country. The Scriptures reveal a time when the world will be dominated by one government. And that government will war against God and His people. It is absolutely, certainly written in His Word. This will be a war to beat all wars. It will be the final conflict. Some Bible scholars believe the events that are written in Revelation were fulfilled in the first centuries of the church age. So there's nothing to see over here, they say. And others believe what's written there has been unfolding throughout the course of history. Some say the events in Revelation are largely unfulfilled. And another group believes Revelation puts forth timeless truths concerning the battle between good and evil. I believe no matter how much intelligence we possess, we do not know, and we're not supposed to. I think that question has been left up to God. He knows the answer, and He left it that way so that we would rely on Him, not on ourselves. He wants us to trust Him. He wants us to keep our focus on Him. He wants us to recognize that He alone is sovereign. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one that's in control. The battle is His. Human minds are limited, and therefore all we can do is speculate. We can look at what's written in God's Word, and we can think, well, maybe it means this, or maybe it means that. We speculate. And it's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, But I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. When somebody brings a convoluted doctrine that they have created, and it is hard to comprehend, I say, that's not the simplicity of Christ. 
And so if there is something that's a question mark in Scripture, if God has left something as a mystery, then we can accept that He knows, we don't, and we need to rely on Him. The final battle on earth is described in the revelation of Jesus Christ. The entire world will be at war. It's the final war between good and evil. That's what's written. In Revelation chapter 16, we hear this, The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth into the kings of the earth and of the whole world. Unto, not into, excuse me, unto the kings of, of the earth and of the whole world, to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, this is our Lord speaking now, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That is where we're headed. Whether it's today or tomorrow, this year, next year, 20 years from now, that is where we are headed. It is written. And I'm certain of it. It's written also in Revelation 14, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Whoever receives the mark has no rest forever and ever. And there are those who would argue, well, you know, there is no hell. God will destroy people, and He's going to just put them to sleep, and that's it. They'll exist no more. But that's not what His Word says. His Word says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so everybody needs to understand that that mark is to be absolutely avoided no matter what man says otherwise. And it doesn't matter if it's a religious man or if it's a government man. Whomever says, take this mark and you'll be all right, they're lying to you. There is no way to take that mark. I've heard people, Christian people, who have said, well, I can take the mark because after all, God knows my heart. They've said that to me personally. I've heard that with my own ears, and it appalled me. I said, no, 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 you're wrong. Oh, but we have salvation, and nobody can take that away. They're deluded. And in fact, God says He's going to send delusion that those who love unrighteousness, those who love unrighteousness will be destroyed because they love unrighteousness. He tells us that He's going to do these things. He tells us there's going to be a great falling away. And I'll tell you, folks, in the most recent few years, we have seen 
how it could happen. Maybe not necessarily the way it's going to happen, but it most certainly could happen the way that we've seen in the last few years. There are people who believe they can do whatever they want on this planet, and God's going to whisk them away, and they're not going to have to worry about a thing. They've been lied to. They've received doctrines of demons, these convoluted doctrines that trick you into believing that somehow you have something that you don't have. The Lord says, watch, therefore. The Lord says, wait. He says, persevere. And those who persevere will get what it is that He promises. That's what He says. And when a man or a woman tells you something different, they're lying to you because they've been lied to, they've been deceived, and they're trying to deceive everyone else into thinking that this is the way it's going to be. But that's not what God says. There's coming a battle, and that war is going to be the war to beat all wars. And we need to be prepared because it's going to be a war against your soul, your very soul. It doesn't matter where you live on this planet. It is going to be your soul that's on the line, and you are going to have to choose between life and death. Because that mark is the mark of eternal, everlasting death. And all of us need to be prepared, folks. All of us. All of us need to be prepared. God wants none to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. He has no glory. He has no pleasure in the death of the unrighteous. These are the things His Word says. That's what He says. And every true believer must know that we are authorized and empowered by God to resist this beast who demands worship. We are empowered and authorized by Almighty God to say, No! I will not take that mark. Each and every one of us needs to be prepared to actually say no. And the consequences of saying no, we must be prepared to accept. Because he says, without the mark, you will not buy or sell anything. There won't be any lights in your house. There won't be any heat or air conditioning in your house. And unless you have food stored or somebody else does and they share it with you, there won't be any food in your house. We need to know we're authorized by God to say no. You have to know that God wants us to refuse that mark no matter what. You see, because that is the battle to beat all battles. It's the battle. You have the freedom that was granted to you by Almighty God and protected by those who have fought and many of whom have died. You have that freedom to say no, no matter what anybody else tells you. If there's a religious leader that says you have to do this, you have to say no. It's written in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones. Now this is the good news, okay? I'm not going to end on a down note. I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Lived and reigned for a thousand years. Now, they were beheaded because they refused the mark, but now he says they're going to live and reign on earth for a thousand years. See, that's the good news. Your 
sacrifice of your life, if necessary, will not be for nothing. This is a sure promise of God. He tells us of unprecedented peace on earth. It'll be a time unlike any other. No matter how peaceful it's been on earth in our lifetimes, on this land, this peace will be absolute peace. No more wars. No more lost lives. No more missing in action. Total peace. It's written in Romans 8.31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Well, anybody can oppose us, right? We know that. We have law enforcement in this country. We have a military that, that is unrivaled in this world. And people still oppose us. But he's saying we will be victorious. And in Romans 8.37, just a little further along in that chapter, it's written, yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. See, Christ won the victory. We simply get to enjoy it. Because the battle is the Lord's. Even now, as world leaders plot to undermine this nation's sovereignty, they are fulfilling Scripture. They're violating the memory of those who gave their lives defending freedom. They're violating the memory of those who defended our U.S. Constitution against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. They're violating that Constitution that was written to defend our God-given rights. Now, in a perfect world, we wouldn't need such things. We wouldn't need police. We wouldn't need a Constitution. We wouldn't need a military. We'd have God as our king, and His Word as our law. But this is not a perfect world. We live in a fallen world. And those folks are moving the world rapidly toward that time that's foretold, when all will be forced to choose between honoring and worshiping Almighty God, or honoring and worshiping the enemy of souls. And this Memorial Day, as we celebrate, as we remember, whether it's by opening pools or grilling, whether it's by attending a parade or other such event. I want us to remember the sacrifice of those who died so that we could live free, so that we could have that free choice, so that we one day could stand and reign on this earth with Christ. Each of us owes those people a debt of gratitude. The freedom that we enjoy here is the last bastion. It's the last defense in the world. If this country loses its freedom, the entire world is going to rapidly descend into darkness. And how do we maintain that freedom? We maintain it first with our faith in Almighty God, but secondly, by managing to keep and bear arms as necessary for self-defense. And there are many who would go against that idea. In fact, I'm criticized for that, publicly sometimes. I'm supposed to just watch out for my flock. I'm not supposed to talk about these kinds of things. 
Well, I say part of defending my flock is to tell you you got the right to say no, and you have the right to keep and bear arms. Christ himself told his disciples, if you don't have a sword, go out and buy one. And the sword at that time is equal to the firearm today. We don't carry swords. Nobody's running around with swords. And that's just the plain truth, and people don't like to hear it. In fact, I posted a picture that said, when Cain slew Abel, God didn't condemn the rock. He condemned Cain. And see, that's the problem in our world today. We're not seeing common sense. Common sense has become uncommon. God didn't blame the rock. He blamed the man that wielded the rock. And this is what we need to do, no matter how horrific the situations are. You know, the biggest mass murders in this world occurred whenever the people were disarmed. One only needs to do a little bit of research to find out how many millions upon millions of people have been killed by their own governments. I want us to remember the sacrifice of Christ. It's the ultimate price paid which set us free from enslavement to sin and the death that it brings. And I want us to remember there's no greater love. Amen? There's no greater love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord. We thank You, Father, that Your promise of reigning here on earth with Christ is sure, it's true. Lord, we know that it's a difficult idea for us to comprehend that we might face our own death because of our faith in Christ, because of our love that we devote to You by refusing to take a mark, to be marked, Lord. We know that the devil will, in fact, deceive people into taking that mark. That's what Your Word says. So, Father, help us not to be deceived. Give us clear discernment that we would recognize that Your Word is true. That we would recognize, Lord, any deceptive practices that would try to lead us into temptation and into judgment. Father, Your will be done. I pray, Father, for world peace. I pray for peace all over the world, Father, especially in Jerusalem. I pray, Father, for all of Your people around the world to be caught up in peace. And yet, Father, Your Word doesn't give that picture. And so I, I offer my repentance to You for my desire. <clears throat> Help us to remember those who gave their lives in service to freedom, gave their lives in defense of the best government that's ever existed on this earth, the best plan for self-rule. Help us, Father. Help us not to overlook the fact that we're free because they're not. And I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen.